you need to have a diversification of your identity. You know, maybe get a hobby. You're a doctor, you're a gardener, you're a real estate investor, you're a husband, but you're also a friend, a father. And I think that will not only help you, but it'll help you because all your mind will open up and it'll be thinking about all these different possibilities. I'm sure, you know, a lot of times people have had these insights when they're doing something else, like a lot of writers, when they're gardening, they'll be like, oh, I have this connection. Maybe this, this character can do this other thing. And a lot of things that I take from being a CEO, uh, creating this company or being a, in real estate, I take back to medicine and it makes me a better doctor. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Dr. Pranay Parikh, an amazing individual on today's podcast. You're going to love this podcast. Today, you are going to learn about how to leverage your background into creating not only financial freedom, but also a diverse identity that's ready for anything, that's ready to capture new opportunities, that's ready to live a life of adventure, that's ready to be prepared for all of the things that are going to unfold in your life. And so we're going to be intentional about creating a diverse identity. You're also going to learn about how a physician is dynamic enough to also set up a company and partner with two other docs and create massive scale in real estate investing and how you can integrate that yourself as well. I mean, there's just so much to learn from today's podcast. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and entrepreneur. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. By the way, we are designed to go big. So we're not going to lower that bar. We're not keeping it at the same spot. We're going bigger. By the way, we're going to continue to do so. We're finding comfort in being uncomfortable. So let's get out of our comfort zone today and realize that this is a dynamic discussion. This is a dynamic immersion into this future person that you're creating right now. You have a mind for where are you going in the future. You have a desire for something bigger. You have something that's calling you. You have something that's whispering to you, or maybe it's screaming to you. So I want to invite you to look out for that today. And I also want to invite you to pay the fee because listening to this podcast is 100% free. The only thing that we ask from you is that you pay it forward. And if you've done that in the past, we just want to thank you so much for doing that. I want to invite you to do it again. All you have to do is share this episode with one person. You can tell them about it. You can send them a text with the link. You know, all you have to do is grab the link in the podcast app, wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, just grab that share link and send it forward. That's how you do it. If you've never been here in the past, you're invited to pay the fee as well. If you've been here 290 plus times, you are invited to pay that fee because you know what? It's super helpful. And also, by the way, when you give, you also receive, and you'll never know what opportunity you have until you really pay that forward. Also, by the way, it's extremely helpful for us. We're giving this opportunity to you on a weekly basis, and 
we just really, from the bottom of my heart, are asking for your support as well. If you're here, we just want to thank you for listening. So grateful for the opportunity to pour into your cup. Also, give us a rating, review, or subscribe or follow Elevate Podcasts on wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And I want to introduce you to this conversation with Dr. Pranay Parikh, who wears many hats. On any given day, he's a physician, educator, real estate, venture capital investor, consultant, and a co-founder and president of Ascent Equity Group. He's a co-creator of Passive Real Estate Academy, and he's also the host of From MD to Entrepreneur podcast. We'll put links in the show notes as to where you can find Pranay. And without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging and awesome conversation with Pranay Parikh. Pranay Parikh, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How you doing? Hey, Tyler. Super happy to be here. Man, I'm grateful. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for some time, and I know the listeners are going to be really over the moon in terms of the value that we deliver to them today. But as we start in this conversation, I'd love for you to help connect the listeners a bit to you personally, because I think that that's important. You know, so let's start there. Let's talk a little bit about your upbringing and your backstory. Yeah. So I was born in Silicon Valley. Pretty much everyone else I know worked for Facebook or Apple or stuff eventually. But being in a South Asian household, my dad was like, you need to be a doctor. He's an engineer. He's like, yeah, you got to be a doctor. But that's something I was into. So I went to undergrad. I went to uh, medical school. And, you know, now looking back, it's this nice straight journey into medicine. But it was kind of tough. I was a marine ocean biologist for a little bit. I was a molecular biochemist. I kind of did a lot of different stuff because I have a lot of interests outside of medicine. And that'll come back in a little bit. And I realized at the end of my college career that my grades, they were okay. They weren't the greatest, you know, not like you expect straight A's in medicine. So I had two choices. I could either go into Caribbean or I could do a master's. And I was already, I already took five years to get into college. So I didn't want to do more education to get me to the same goal. So I went into Caribbean, which sounds kind of fun, but it's a third world country, which is not a place that's conducive to studying medicine. I survived, I came back and there's something called the match in medicine where all the places that you can apply to will rank you and you rank all them. And most people get their first top three. For whatever reason, I actually went down to ninth place. You know, I was happy to even find a place to go. So at the time I was like, okay, I barely made it. I need to work really hard. So there's this test that they make all incoming students take or incoming residents take. I was like, okay, I must study my butt off for this. Uh, and I, I did pretty well. I got 98th percentile. And I realized my program was kind of falling apart. We had three directors in six months, which is crazy. It's hard to get a medical director. I was talking to someone. He's like, why don't you just move to California and apply to one of those programs? thought that was crazy. I went home. I realized that University of Southern California, my dream school, uh, had an opening. I applied. I had a friend that was there. I was like, hey, could you put in a good word? And my second year, I transferred to USC of all places, which was way better than any of the places I had gotten interviews on and had ranked. And I did all that. I, you know, I finished residency, but I wanted to apply for further training called a fellowship. But at the time, one quick story on that. Like I told you, I have a lot of different interests. I was walking with my director in the hallways and I saw some art on the wall. I was like, hey, who gets to decide what, who picks the art? I was like, art committee sounds awesome. He's like, don't you want to do a fellowship? Like, why are you talking about art? And I've just always been kind of all over the place, but I, I find that I am a summation of all the stuff. I'm not just necessarily one thing. So long story short, I actually didn't get my fellowship twice. 
Yeah. But it was the best thing that happened to me because it didn't feel like the best thing at the time. It was horrible. You know, I found my wife, I married her. I had two sons that we were talking about earlier. And I started my real estate career because once again, I didn't get what I wanted and I had to work hard. I was a doctor, which is great, but I was like, okay, I didn't get this higher salary I would have gotten when I did this further training. So I'm getting pretty good salary, right? Still. So I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm graduated. I need to pay off my loans as quickly as possible. And I need to figure out how I could use this money to make a difference in my life first and then other people's lives. So that's when I found real estate. I bought my first four unit and I was like, this is great. It's in Long Beach, one of the few affordable places to buy kind of waterfront properties in Los Angeles. I was like, this is great. But I realized that I had gotten super lucky. It was a home run, you know? So I spent probably hundreds of hours trying to find my second property. It was just tough. And so looked around to see what else I can do. That's when I connected with my partner. And little sidestep on this story, because I think other than your spouse, which is your most important business relationship, your business partner is number two. Who you pick is someone that you should go on dates on. You, know, you should really work on this relationship. But I had made this decision that, hey, I don't know anything about finance. And I really did not. I didn't know a thing. So if someone... I need to get involved. And there's all these doctor Facebook groups. Someone posted, hey, uh, does anyone live in Los Angeles? I was like typing, hey, I live in Los Angeles. I will host an event. I'll pay for it. I'll clean up. I'll promote it. I'll do everything, like anything and everything because I just want to be involved. And my business partner who had his own blog and brand, tens of thousands of followers, reached out to me like immediately and said, hey, I live in Los Angeles. Do you want to get on the phone? We got on the phone and... Our literal first conversation was three and a half hours. Like an hour into the conversation, my wife is like, who are you talking to? Let me hear his voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing like Jake from State Farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So we got together and we realized he had been investing in 20 plus passive income deals, syndications. But we realized there wasn't much education. And so we created a course. We've had thousands of people take it. It's a paid course. But over time, people have taken our course and they're like, yeah, you know, now we understand how to do this, but we're too busy. So they're like, you guys are already vetting your own deals. Why don't we all come together and maybe we can get a small piece of the deal, better terms and all that. So that's what we did. We did fund to funds in the very beginning. Over time, we had so much interest that we we're able to bring in all the equity in a deal. And now we do joint venture. Man, I love that background. And by the way, thank you for all of that because you took us from this little boy who was encouraged to go into medicine to that entire journey, which had twists and turns the Caribbean, LA, and then talking about where you are today. It's very interesting. I mean, thinking about that entire trajectory, there were some things that happened along the way that, you know, at the time felt like failures. But then later, you can look back and kind of connect the dots and see that they were actually sort of a, a setback, which is more of a setup for the comeback and all the, the greater abundance that was being delivered to you later. So let's talk a little bit about that journey. Let's talk a little bit about that experience. And also, sort of when did you realize that those setbacks were actually serving you? Was it years later or was it, hey, quickly, I started to get into real estate and I started to make these decisions. I found a home run deal. How long did it take you to start to realize, wow, life is really happening for me and not necessarily to me? I wish I could say that happened right away or even weeks later, but I am very hard headed. 
I have to learn from my own mistakes. Oftentimes, repeat mistakes. <laughs> Same here, by the way. But over time, and one of my skills now is I'm able to learn from other people's mistakes. And this is why I love your podcast. I know you've had a bunch of other doctors. I remember you had an ENT doctor, uh, 171. Yeah, Dr. Vasu Kakaraluputi. One of my great friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so now we have just such a robust life stories. And uh, there's another podcast, Founders Podcast, which is just amazing, where he goes over different people's lives. This, oh man, I was well into my 30s. I'm 38 now. So that wasn't that long ago. That is amazing. I realized like, hey, this is not necessarily bad stuff. Because you always hear that, right? One door closes, another door opens, right? And I have to run into that second door a couple times before I understand. But it, it took a while, right? And a lot of times people will have difficulty sleeping, right? Uh, and we ruminate, right? Ruminate's the worst, right? You're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that thing out loud in the fifth grade. And everyone made fun of me, but it's a mindset switch where like the fact that you can look at things in the past and cringe or realize it was the wrong thing to do, that shows growth. And that means you're growing as a person, you're growing as a father, as an investor, as an owner, as a CEO. Uh, and so now, even though I, my mind wants to ruminate, right? Because it's a defense mechanism, like, hey, remember that time you got up on stage and you forgot everything you were gonna say and you almost cried and you did cry a little bit? Uh, yeah, you should probably never do that again. But if you do that, if you don't get in front of people, if you don't talk, you're never gonna improve. And I'm sure you'll, you'll share this, like, Getting in front of people, especially with this podcast, getting in front of the level of guests, it like doesn't even level up. It like exponentially levels up your skills. Absolutely. You just somehow over time, you know, you go back. It's it is funny that you say that because there's times that I'm sure you you do this yourself being a podcast host as well, listening back to a podcast. You're like, wait a minute, why didn't I say this? And did you listen to the guest? Did you hear what he said? Why didn't you comment on that? And then, oh, you know, you're stuttering. Like, what are you doing? You know, so but it is this growth experience when you can reflect back and say, you know what? Yes, it didn't go perfect. But now I can take that moving forward. But then you can apply that concept to all aspects. I mean, you can apply it to deals that you've done. You can look back and say, my goodness, I mean, why didn't we apply this level of creative thinking to this deal? Or why did we pass on that deal? Or why did we make this hire? Why didn't we make this hire? You know, there's so many different things. But I think what it comes down to is being willing to take action and make mistakes, you know, being willing to fail because failure is not fatal, but it is feedback and feedback is growth. And so, you know, thinking about your growth and thinking about the feedback that you had from not getting into fellowship to then starting your career as a physician, talk to me about the length of that time frame between sort of realizing that, you know what, you didn't have complete control or financial security over your time. I mean, what, talk to me about that experience and that journey a bit. I think especially physicians, we're learning that we are just high paid wage earners, right? And it's never been true, more true than during COVID time. So my dad told me to go into medicine because people are always getting sick, right? You're always going to have customers and people are aging, but there were a lot of doctors that got laid off during COVID. Uh, there's a lot of doctors that were furloughed and that's because a lot of the elective surgeries weren't being done. And at a time, people were so scared to go to a hospital 
the volume was way down, right? So and doctors are the most expensive part other than like the hospital itself. So they were sending people home. And what do you do if you have this mortgage, you got to pay this car, you're sending your kids to school. And it's, it's scary, right? And you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. We always talk about diversification, but diversification is really important and especially important outside of like the stock market and that. There's two types of diversification that I think are very important. The first one is something that people know about. And the second one, I don't think people talk about as much. So first one is your finances. Including in your finances is your job, right? That's where you make the most of your money. If you're only doing one job or you're only making, you don't have a side gig, you don't have anything else. What happens if something happens to that job? Hospital groups leave, hospitals close down. For whatever reason, you could have a litigation against you. I, I was reading that this case was going to court and they, they were saying the doctor had never seen the patient, but they still let the case go to court. You know, it'll probably get dismissed at one point, but it's a lot of stress and you can't really practice medicine while you're worried about that kind of stuff. So diversify your job, diversify your investments. We both know that the stock market and bonds are down about 25%. Everyone said when stocks go down, bonds go up and vice versa. But because something's happened like that in the past doesn't mean that it's going to happen in the future. So something great like real estate. I'm not a big commodity person like gold, but real estate's nice. It's a hedge against inflation. And I know all your listeners uh, know all the benefits, so I won't go into that. But number two, and I think that people miss out on is diversification of your identity. And I think that's really important. So people will ask me, what do I do? I like to have fun with it. Uh, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, you know, medicine's my side gig or I'm a real estate investor. I'm a podcaster. So just depending on the day, I'll, I'll say something. But we've seen and there's evidence that a lot of males, especially in males, when they retire, their chance of dying goes up a ton because their identity is tied to their job. And go to almost any doctor and they will tell you they're a doctor within the first 10 minutes, right? Because our, our identity is intertwined with medicine. And that makes sense. I, I really think of myself as a doctor because I've really dedicated the last 35 years of my life, which is my whole life, into medicine. But you're also a husband. I know you have twins and I'm sure they're a very large piece of your identity and a, Huge. a great father. And we've also seen uh, men, um, and most of the data is men in men, smaller in women, but when they uh, lose their wives, their chance of dying is humongous. We've seen so many people, one person goes to the hospital and passes away, 10 days later, five days later, the other one passes and their identity is very intertwined. I'm not saying have your identity to go get a girlfriend if you have a wife, but you need to have a diversification of your identity. You know, maybe get a hobby. You're a doctor, you're a gardener, you're a real estate investor, you're a husband, but you're also a friend, a father. And I think that will not only help you, but it'll help you because all your mind will open up and it'll be thinking about all these different possibilities. I'm sure, you know, a lot of times people have had these insights when they're doing something else. Like, a lot of writers, when they're gardening, they'll be like, oh, I have this connection. Maybe this, this character can do this other thing. And a lot of things that I take from being a CEO, uh, creating this company or being a, in real estate, I take back to medicine and it makes me a better doctor. I totally agree. And, and that's awesome. I think about diversification of identity in a few aspects, one of which is, hey, we can create our identity. We could also take inventory of the roles that we're playing in our life right now and recognize that maybe we have some diversity or maybe there's a gap of diversity of our identity and recognize that there's quite an upside in terms of recognizing that we can diversify that, you know, whether it's father, husband, wife, mother, friend, entrepreneur, investor, 
doctor, skier, world traveler, you know, all of these beautiful things, mountain climber. I mean, there's so many different things that you can be intentional on your identity. But, you know, a lot of us, you know, we didn't start there. We weren't intentional and our identity was then created and we create this story subconsciously about who we are. And we believe that we're worthy of certain things based on the construction of that identity. So I think it's really powerful that you shared that because now it's a course correction. It's a check in for all of us to say, well, what am I being intentional about my identity and and how is that diverse to be able to weather, you know, storms in our life? Because there are challenges that we encounter. And when we have a diverse identity, maybe a part of that identity is that we weather storms, you know, and that we get through challenging times and we have a growth orientation and anything that happens to us ends up serving us. We're anti-fragile. Maybe anti-fragile is a part of our identity. So was it, you know, the part of your early experience that you recognized that you weren't diverse financially or from an identity perspective that made you or pushed you into action to say, you know what, maybe there is more out there for me. Maybe there's a more dynamic individual that I can now create. Was it sort of that experience early in your medical career that kind of pushed you in that direction? In medicine, a lot of times they make you kind of a one trick pony. And it's funny because when you're trying to get into medicine, they want you to be well-rounded, great CV, you know, does a sport, plays an instrument, does charity work. But as soon as you get in, all that gets kind of squeezed out. But for me, I love that stuff. While I was in medical school, I used to do charity art shows. I'm not an artist. I can barely draw stick figures. So I had a lot of artist friends because I appreciated art. And I wanted to do charity and they wanted to do charity, but they didn't have any money. So what we did is they did the work and we would donate part of the proceeds to charity. So I did stuff and, you know, I was already in medicine, so it wasn't for my CV. It was just because it was a good thing to do. And so I've had a pretty diverse identity throughout time. And that might be probably, it's probably one of the major reasons that I didn't get into fellowship because when I was uh, talking to my uh, mentor at the time, he's like, yeah, your CV in life looks like, needs to look like you want nothing else in life other than this fellowship. Uh, and my life doesn't look like that. Even in real estate, I, I want to be very successful. I want to help all my investors, but I really feel like the more I do outside of this, I think it comes back and it helps them. I've always done this. I kind of just follow things that I'm interested in and eventually the money comes. Even the podcast that we were talking a little bit earlier, I was just so impressed with all you've done with your podcast. Later, I'd love some tips. You know, I, I make zero dollars. Actually, I make negative dollars because I pay for editing and all that stuff. But it's, it's such a fun chance and I get to meet people like you. And in that sense, it's a huge success. So it's having all these different hobbies and interests and you just never know what's going to come out of it. And a lot of times people will come to me. And uh, so I had a cardiologist that was talking to me. He was 55 and he said, hey, Pernay, like very successful cardiologist, but this is all I do. I've invested in the stock market's down 25%. I have a couple hundred thousand, like where should I put it? I was like, first... I'm a random person. You heard me on a podcast, but like take everything I, I say with a grain of salt. Like, please don't just trust me without any question. And honestly, and I tell this to our investors all the time, I was like, hold this to a higher standard than you hold everyone else, not a lower standard. Just because we're a doctor doesn't mean that our morals, our ethics are, are great. Chances are, right? Much probability wise it is, but really hold us to the same, if not higher standard to everyone else. 
Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out CF Capital. CF Capital is the premier boutique real estate investment firm in the Midwest and Southeast region of the United States. We are a national real estate investment firm with a purpose. We provide property investment and asset management solutions to help passive investors maximize returns on high value multifamily communities. But our investments go far beyond acquisitions. We invest in people. We are in the business of elevating communities and raising the bar for everyone within our ecosystem. CF Capital is a real estate investment firm focused on the acquisition and operation of multifamily assets. We confidently deliver tax advantage, stable cash flow, and capital appreciation with a margin of safety. By investing alongside our team, investors can preserve and grow their wealth without having to deal with tenants, termites, or toilets. Investors come and stay for the outsized returns we create in our deals while appreciating the ancillary opportunity to make a bigger impact that only CF Capital can provide. If you're an investor and want to invest with us, here's how. Learn more about CF Capital at cfcapllc.com or by simply clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. We will see you on the inside of this powerful community. So let's elevate communities together. You know, one of the things that I think about when I kind of observe your story is that you've made shifts, but also when you look back, some of the stuff that you probably felt like was not serving you, like all this diversification of interests and, you know, curiosity, it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm not fitting into this perfect bucket that's creating this perfect CV that's setting me up for success in the fellowship. Now, looking back, obviously, it's obvious, but now what you've done is that you've found and you are now living life of not only financial security, but you're also practicing medicine on your own terms. So speaking to doctors and, you know, providing some perspective to say, you know what, you don't have to be just this cog in the machine and just be this high paid, you know, employee and sort of feeling like you're out of control. So if you were to give yourself advice, if you were to look back a few years, how did you do it? And what would you say to your younger self? I think you had uh, Seth Godin on your podcast, episode 102, and he talks about- Look at you, coming prepared, I love it. I'm just so thankful to be here, so. <laughs> so he talks about being a linchpin. Right. So for my medical career, you know, I was a hospitalist and hospitalist. Uh, I worked in the hospital. But really, if you work in a hospital, you could pretty much replace everyone. Right. So I'm not much better than any other hospitalist for the most part. If we're well trained, if we care about a lot of people, there's kind of the art and science of medicine. Science is probably all the same. I like to think I have a really good bedside matter but that's not necessarily the size. So I do a lot of education. So a podcast, I've done an online course. So I have a hospitalist group. I was like, hey, here's what I normally do for people. Uh, and then we have these videos that we have to watch. It's If anyone has watched any type of corporate videos, they're like in the 80s and they're like filmed on VHS and it's just really bad. And they're an hour long. I was like, hey, I can take this. I will edit it. I will make it five minutes long. I'll make a little quiz and we'll send it to everyone. I created three videos that covered maybe like four hours worth of material and mine were 15 minutes in total. They were like, shoot, this is great. And I was able to get, create a new position for myself in the company with more pay, doing the stuff that comes pretty easily to me. And I could have done the normal doctor route where I get a ton more responsibility. I have to follow all these patients and manage all these doctors, which I didn't necessarily want to do. But instead, custom position was created for something that I enjoy doing. So I know entrepreneurship is scary for a lot of people, but inside your company, 
intrapreneurship is a great way to be successful. And that way you don't have to build from scratch. You don't have to worry about all of these risks that you're taking. But there's all these positions and all these promotions that are available to people. It's just people don't know it. You have to go and create it. You have to let people know what your talents are and go. And I did all that stuff for free, all those videos and stuff. I was like, I hate how much time I have to waste. Actually, I had to watch those videos and I was like, I could do this so much better. I'd rather watch my own five minute video than this hour long video every year. I was like, here you guys go. This is all free. Just take it. Like you guys own the IP. Like I don't care. But because of that, they're like, okay, what else can you guys do? What else can you do? Like here's a promotion, like work more for us. Wow. I love that. So getting creative in finding the way to add the most value to your organization as an intrapreneur gave you not only the joy of, you know, really stepping into your unique ability, but then it gave you time to be more creative and more dynamic in the diversity of your identity and the diversity of your financial freedom and your financial resources. So then talk to me about when did you form Ascent equity group? I mean, was that soon thereafter? I mean, you talked about meeting your partner. Was it sort of around that time? Yeah. So I met my partner and uh, during that conversation, the three and a half hour conversation, it's like, I have this Facebook group has 3000 doctors in it. I'm trying to grow it. Do you want help? I was like, sure. I will moderate it. I've never done it before. People would ask real estate questions. And at the time I owned my own property, but I'd be like Googling. I was like, okay, how do we pay state taxes or what is depreciation? I just Google it. Right. And one of the, one of the best skills you can have in life is how to Google things well, or how to just look up things well. So help them grow that from 3000 to 10,000. We created this course and then had mentioned people wanted to invest in us. Right. So the nice thing is that all how we think is all out there in the world. Just like all the episodes that you do, where it's just you, you know, people see that and they see, they're like, oh yeah, the CF capital, they sound legit. You know, like I like what Tyler says, like I want to invest in him as a person. So we did kind of the same thing with the course. And so we created a Sent Equity Group, like I said, very small piece, which at the time I didn't know what we were doing. I say very small, but our first deal was 3 million. Our first raise was 3 million. So, and then I, was, I thought that was a lot of work. Let's just do a fund. So a month later we did a $10 million fund. People would normally tell you, you need to have this extensive track record. A hundred thousand minimum is very difficult to get, but we did that. And then we're like, okay, how about we take down a whole deal? We want major decision rights. We want to push our weight around. And, you know, people said no one would even talk to us, right? They don't want to work with us. And now we work with some of the best and we've uh, placed $78 million in two and a half years. That is amazing. Pretty quick. But, you know, it's, it's like you're an overnight success, but 10 years in the making. So all we did with the growing the Facebook group creating the course and just putting ourselves out there, giving us much free content and helping people as many that now we have that trust. And when we created this company, we brought all these people and they kind of go with us. Man, that's great. Let's talk a little bit about strategy and structure of Ascent Equity Group, because what you've just described is is rapid success. And, and I almost picture like the, you know, the image of a an iceberg where you can see the tip of it above the water. And then you've got a vast, you know, portion of that iceberg beneath the water. And that shows just all of the things that are beneath the scenes or behind the scenes or the time that it took to really assemble the expertise, the relationships to be able to be successful to that regard. So talk to me about structure and strategy. You mentioned raising $3 million to start, then a $10 million fund. Now, over the past two and a half years, $78 million, which is remarkable. Now, are you a fund of funds or what does that look like? Yeah, and so I realized this 
In California, you actually can't do a fund of funds. It's okay. illegal. Yeah, if you're based out of California. No one was enforcing that with the current administration. They are. Can't do that. And I, I know you're going to say, Pranay, I see that all the time. They're not in compliance with the law. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of your strategy for, you know, placing these dollars into, I guess, deals that are performing and, you know, meeting your goals or meeting your investors, your partner's goals, what does that actually look like? You have to be really careful, especially based in California. So you either do the dirt yourself, meaning you are running a deal, it's your deal, you know, you're running everyday operations, or you have all the decision rights, meaning uh, you are in charge of everything, but someone else is doing the work. And the question is, when, if ever, is someone going to give you all that, right? If, if someone else is running the deal, why would they give you control rights? And they do because you bring in all the money to the deal. And that's what we do. So Goldman Sachs, Blackstone, the way they do their deals is they're like, hey, we're not going to send our people in $4,000 suits to Dallas, right? We're going to stay here in New York where it's nice. And we have this great office in Manhattan. You guys run it. We're going to help you with operations, but you do what we say. And uh, so we, we kind of come in a similar place. The problem with the fund of funds is you're selling a security. It's like you're selling a stock. And unless you're registered with uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, as FINRA and a broker dealer, you're not able to do that. I love that. Thank you for that beautiful explanation. And by the way, one of the great things about real estate is there's literally thousands of ways that you can invest. And it all comes down to what are your goals? What are you looking to accomplish? And so what you really described is you're bringing a, a big piece of the deal you know, together and you're bringing and you're adding value, not only through equity, but also through asset management, strategic you know, decision making and collective sort of partnership. And so talk to me about your approach. I mean, what what markets do you look at? Uh, what markets are you invested in currently? And then give me a little sense of your outlook sort of in terms of the growth of your company there. Yeah. Three quick points I, I want to make uh, before because Tyler, I know, you know, a lot of people who raise money, capital raisers, right? And there's a couple things that are different about us for good or for bad. So number one, we do real estate different. So all three of us founders are doctors. Someone brought us a deal in Portland, a screamer of a deal, a 25% IRR last year. Pretty much on paper, it looks great. It had a tax abatement, meaning that you make affordable housing and the government says, hey, for 5, 10, 15 years, your tax bill is going to be either deferred or decreased. It was expiring. The owner said, hey, I only bought this because I was going to save on taxes. I'm selling this. So the sponsor came to us. They said, hey, this deal is going to be great. We're going to kick everyone out. We're going to evict them all. We're going to make $600 extra per unit. It's going to be a 25 RR. We're going to get out in three years, sell it for a fortune. And we're like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm sure someone's going to do that. That person's not going to be us. So we do real estate different, you know, and sometimes we're willing to sacrifice some of our returns to do what we think are what we think is uh, morally great. Number two. So it's all three founders. Like I said, real estate companies in general, they're giants you know, and at least the people we work with. Being a giant makes you a sloth, right? You move slowly. For us, we're like mosquitoes. We didn't used to have mosquitoes in Los Angeles, but now we do. And it's, oh, it drives me crazy. But they're just going and you like, you see them and you're just gone, right? And we're the same way. We see something in the market and we're able to really pivot and move quickly because there's no committees. It's just us three. And uh, we're talking on the phone all the time. Number three, because we're small, because we have so many connections and we are talking to people all the time, 
The gold standard in our business is vertically integrated, right? You, that means you bring everything in-house. So property management, construction management, supposedly you, you save on costs. So we were looking at a property and they were vertically integrated and they had a great scope. And we've worked with these group in the past and we go to the property, we walk all the comps ourselves, and we see that one of the comparable properties looks a lot nicer. So we reach out to them. Hey, like we use the dumb doctors thing all the time. Hey, we're dumb doctors in real estate. Do you talk to us a little bit about what you guys do? And they're like, this is a granite counter. We're like, what? What is granite? Uh, and their scope was, it was beautiful and it was nice. So we're like, hey, uh, who do you guys use for a vendor? They gave it to us. And, you know, we find that most part, I'm being a little facetious, most part in real estate, people are very happy to share contacts and we would be nowhere if it wasn't for all the people that gave us information. So we take that contact back to vertically integrated sponsor and we get a higher level of scope and we save $600 per unit. And it's, it's a very large property, hundreds of units. So you can imagine what that did to the NOI. And no one else would really do that. We would do it because we have a connected, we have this giant network and we're modest enough knowing that we don't know any better. So we'll, we'll talk to people, but $600, that is substantial. I mean, if you think about it, people are happy and we're happy when we raise the rent 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. So if you save $600 per unit, that's going to make a tremendous difference in your NOI. No doubt. How are you able to actually achieve that savings? I'm, I'm, I was trying to connect those dots there. Forgive me. Uh, so we, uh, we got the new vendor. And instead of vertically integrated, we're going to use that vendor because it's $600 for a higher level of scope. So. Got it. Got it. Awesome. That's great stuff. And now, so do you focus on, do you have one particular partnership that you are scaling or do you work with multiple partners in terms of boots on the ground? We work with a handful uh, and where was uh, find more. So we will bring, like I said, we'll bring 80 to 97.5% of the equity, but we need to have major decision rights. And we have a full asset management team. The other day we went to a property and we were flipping through the books. We're like, Hey, your computer says it's 88% occupied, but I'm counting 30 people here evicted. Like what's going on? And it was some computer glitch or something, but we're like, hey, we caught this, you know, and we are very involved. And some people don't like that, which is fine, but we are very involved with our assets. We walk the property usually once a month, if not more, depending on how it is. If it's not that bad, we'll go once a quarter. But we like to think that we really are hand in hand. We don't just raise the money and disappear to the next deal. I love that. One thing that I'm just thinking about behind the scenes here or just high level to this conversation is, you know, I hear this constantly so much. I can't do that. I have to do this. And what I'm hearing from you is a company that's been created by three doctors who are still practicing, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I know you're still practicing in your own capacity. You're still able to scale in the way that you've just described, and you're still able to diversify your financial resources and your identity. And so I would love to know this question may fall flat. And if it does, that's totally fine. I'm, I'm cool with it. But thinking about sort of like you as a leader, as an operator in all of these different aspects, are there any core beliefs that you think have been critical to your success? Maybe there's one or two that have been the most important core beliefs that you've owned that have really served you. I'm going to be cheating a little bit. We literally just created value statement. So they're actually on the top of my head and it's, it's super important to do that and as early as possible in your business because if you don't create values values that you stand for and stick to them then they're going to be created for you 
and you're going to lose control and it's going to be very difficult to get. And the most important part is not creation of it, but sticking to the values and reminding people, right? We all know that Enron had a pillar of integrity as their value and we know what happened with them. So a couple ones, uh, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, uh, but a couple ones. And uh, we try, we're a little quirky if you haven't gotten that, but one of them is be like the Hercules beetle. If you've ever seen the Hercules beetle, it's like the one that has like a little thing. It's like that. Okay. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, you would have seen this beautiful, I don't know what we're going to call that yeah, rendition yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like of the Hercules beetle. They can lift up to 30 times their weight. So if you're thinking of a 200 pound male, that'd be 6,000 pounds like a car above your head. So we have a small team, very small team, but we expect them to move mountains. Another one is to run up the stairs. We do things that are outside of our comfort zone and we'll choose the one that's best for our tenants and our investors, even if it's more work for ourselves. So, you know, no cutting corners. We'll actually do it the way that's harder as long as it makes life better. We also know that we're just a very small piece of people's lives. There's a speech called, this is water a bunch of uh, young fish talking to each other. And this older fish comes and says, how's the water? And they're like, yeah, what? And the older fish goes away and uh, the younger fish are like, what's water, right? It's knowing that, hey, we're just an investment. You know, we're not, we're not a lifestyle. We're not, you know, we're not kind of our brand, but what we want is to make the lives of our investors super easy, right? You invest, you get your returns, K1s are on time. And so you can do more of what matters to you, what really affects your life. And if we can help you get to that quicker, that's our goal. But we don't want to do stuff that gets in your way. We've had people that have had issues wiring. We're like, okay, we'll help you. I'll walk you. I've walked people through. I'm like, okay, you're at the bank. Just give them the phone. I will talk to them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, these guys are neurosurgeons and just smartest of the smart people. They've never had to. And a lot of other people will be like, you're ridiculous, you know, like, here's my assistant. And so many people are surprised when they call our phone or email us and I reply. I'm like, I like to know what's going on and I like to help. And they're like, oh, I didn't want to bother you. I was like, no, like we are helping you, right? And very appreciative of that. And we try to provide that type of value. So I think we have eight, but those are the ones that are really sticking out in my mind right now. Well, I think the big thing there is, you know, if you don't plant the seeds, then something is going to grow. Most of the time it's going to be weeds. And if you don't plant the seeds of intentionality on not only your core beliefs as an individual, as a professional, as you know, all this diverse identity that we all have and that we're being intentional in creating. But if you don't create that for your company, for your organization, for your investment philosophy, then something is going to be created. And I love just the imagery of lifting 30 pounds, you know, your, your weight and doing things the hard way and going the extra mile, not cutting corners. I love those core beliefs. On the flip side, you know, we have to continually overcome mental barriers. And there's these saboteurs that we all have that want to steal our dreams. And it's masked with this, hey, you know what, if you do that, it could be dangerous and you might lose or, you know, you got to be really careful around what, what's around every corner because, you know, there's a lot of danger out there and I could go, the list goes on and on. But I'd love to know, I mean, what what are some mental barriers that you've had to overcome or have to continually overcome as, as a high performer in several different regards? Yeah, well, let me tell you one that's going on right now. So uh, before this podcast, I was on your website and I was like, you know, I've been on a ton of podcasts, probably 50 plus at this point, especially real estate podcasts. I, I feel pretty comfortable. And then I saw Seth Godin, who's a hero of mine, the author of Essentialism, uh, whose name... Greg McCune. 
yeah 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 and i was like okay shoot like do i really belong on this podcast he has so many amazing people and it's lizard brain it's a part of our brain that protects us right it's the one that tells us not to jump in the in the bush because there could be a saber-toothed tiger but it doesn't happen anymore and so we have to kind of past ourselves and this might be a little counterintuitive but what we normally do is we suppress it right we're like okay i'll be okay i'll be okay like i'm gonna just talk to him uh hopefully i don't stumble on my words uh, and no one's gonna listen anyways it'll be fine right but instead just give it a second listen to it like okay okay brain go what are all the bad things that can happen right I'm gonna stumble on my words I'm gonna, yeah that kind of sucks N- not a big deal no one's gonna listen okay no one will hear me stumble on my words right the podcast episode sucks okay yeah that's fine there's probably a lot of other sucky ones in the past so give it a second and then let it just run out of steam it's like a toddler throwing a tantrum right and then after you listen to it you're like okay fine and one it's going to run out of steam but two maybe it's going to bring up a couple things that are worthwhile right and you're like okay i don't know what kind of questions he's going to ask okay yeah listen to a couple episodes and see what kind of stuff he asks and what kind of general flow there is or maybe i ask him i'm like hey what kind of stuff anything interesting so i can have stories so you can kind of prepare for it and then all of a sudden there's silence right? For once in your life, there's silence. And that part of your brain is actually trying to help you. So that lizard brain is it's, it's just so tough. And the more we suppress it, the harder it's going to get. And you and I were talking about this a little bit before. And when you pitch a podcast, you're like, I'm so great. I'm the best person in the world. And then uh, when you get on a podcast, you're like, oh, I'm so modest because you don't want you don't want it to be sound like you're so far. And honestly, like, I have no doubt that Anyone that is successful, doesn't have to be a doctor, but anyone that has done any further education or has an interest in education doesn't mean you have to have a degree. I've seen some of the smartest people I know, most knowledgeable people I know, haven't even been to college or uh, just got a bachelor's degree in whatever, but they're just so smart and because they, they devour information. And so any of those people, anyone that has interests, that has that drive, I think can do it. But we limit ourselves. So you'd be surprised how often I hear, hey, Pranay, you think I could really do this? I'm just a doctor. Like, seriously. And then I'll, I'll see in the email, I'll, I'll look at their signature. One time it was micro hand surgeon. So micro means like tiny, five millimeters or less. Um, so they're able to do wow. surgery in blood vessels in the hand and just crazy it was like who's at harvard or something i was like dude you are you are like you probably have more intelligence than i do and you're like pinky finger especially because you're a surgeon than i am and, and it's just we're always like that and i was talking to brandon turner the other day uh he was one of our speakers at our conference and he's like you know i talk to the all these billionaires now you know he's very successful and he's like the same advice that they give me is what i give people to that are under me and ask me It's the same advice. It's just someone shows you that it's possible. That's above you. They open up your mind. Uh, And that's why I love this podcast to show people it's an inspiration. And you have all types of guests in all different walks of life. Because And it's important because to see someone else that looks like you, that talks like you, that went through the same stuff that you did, all of a sudden it just shows you that it's possible. And that's, I think, if, if you're really doubting yourself, just just look for that person. Look for that person, and I promise you, you'll be inspired. I love that. Thank you for that. And when I think of the lizard brain, if I'm correct, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, what we're talking about is the amygdala. And the amygdala is this little part of your brain that really espouses fear. And some of that is felt, you know, through emotions of, you know, nervousness or, you know, uh, being scared or, or not, or maybe doubting yourself. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of science in terms of cortisol that's released 
into the bloodstream and all of these different things. But, you know, you can look at fear and say, well, fear is my barrier or it's my catapult. And fear is what I leverage to prepare to be part of a great conversation so that I can add value, so that I can build relationships, so that I can learn and be a part of this conversation. And perhaps there may be tremendous upside in this relationship, or I may learn and have fun, you know, and, you know, this fear can catapult us into so many different uh, areas, but it can also give us the opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to try. I'm going to go out there and say, you know what, I may fail, but that could be a great thing too. So uh, I love that. But Prene, man, this is so much fun. I'm like, I feel like we could go for hours and hours and hours, but I do want to be respectful of your time. I want to transition into the rapid fire section of the podcast. We call it the rare air questionnaire. And unfortunately, a lot of what we've been talking about is pretty uncommon. But I think one of the missions of this podcast is that we can raise the bar to such a higher degree, not only in our own lives, but for the people around us. So we are a ripple effect in so many different ways. So I'd love to ask you a few questions uh, before we wrap today's podcast. If you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? Yeah. So there's uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Probably only really to read the first couple of chapters. Uh, actually, I could just tell you, focus on one thing. Yeah. Multitasking doesn't it doesn't, exist. It doesn't. Right? That's, that's a big takeaway. There's one trick I've told a ton of people that I've coached. I don't have an actual coaching practice. I just advise people. But uh, what is called a time journal. Every 15 minutes, you're writing down what you do and do it for a week. Uh, at least five days, right? The business week. And what you'll realize, you'll realize a couple of things. One, you switch tasks a lot and it takes a lot of time to go back. Two, you have a lot of free time, right? Because you're wasting a lot of time between things. And three, most importantly, you realize that other people are controlling your schedule. So you're going to all these meetings that suck. You're doing things you don't want to do and people are putting stuff on your schedule. And if you do it with more intention like you're talking about, you'll just realize you have so much more time than you think. Man, that's great. Great way to take an inventory of how you're spending your time and then reflecting on this concept of the one thing and then really diving in and adding value in your unique ability with your unique ability. Are there any other books that you've read that have been super impactful as well? There's this book called Influence. Oh, one of my favorite. Is this Robert Caldini? And I oh was sent gosh. it. I did a master's in uh, medical management. They sent it to me and I read it without knowing a thing about it. I was like, this book sucks. Like, I know all this stuff. And it's like reciprocity and like just helping people and like how you influence people, because I think that's super important. We think it's kind of cheesy, like car salesman. But if we want to make an impact on the world, we have to know how to persuade people for good. Uh, and because all the people that are doing it for bad or for evil, uh, they know how to do this stuff. So we have to learn, learn the magic, right? But that book was in the 80s. And I was like, shoot, like, this is what all marketers, all direct mail, infomercials, this is what they're all basing it on. So we have to know a little bit about persuasion, a little bit about how to do it. And for the third book, I'm gonna grab it right here. Different. I wouldn't say it's the most impactful, but it's the most fun. It's called um, Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows. And what it is, is this dude, John Koning, he finds words in different languages and kind of made up words that describe emotions that we all feel. You know, a lot of times we have emotions and we can't really put a word into it, but different languages have different words. So Spanish, like the word to wait is the same word for to wish. 
Right. And it's just, it's so interesting that you wish for something, you're waiting for it to happen. So uh, it's really cool. A lot of different stories, a lot of different words, some made up uh, that just really describe the human condition. That is amazing. It almost makes you sort of reframe some of these concepts. Like waiting could also mean wishing and wishing can also mean wait. I mean, it's like, that's an interesting way to look at that. But I, I have to say that uh, influence in particular was is is a top 10 read for me of all time and absolutely impactful to the way that I've tried to deal with every single relationship. And it's not a manipulative thing, but it's a way for you to add more value and impact other people. Because if you want to impact other people, you first have to influence them. And um, I think that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're looking to go to the next level, it really is going to come through other people. And and, you know, it's like what Zig Ziglar said, if you want anything that you want in your life, all you have to do is find a way to add more value to other people. And really, it starts there. So great stuff. If you had to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, Pranay, what would that be? Consume a lot. So I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen, I read a ton, I'm a lot of blog posts. I'm always looking for, I think my RSS feed has like 500 different websites on it. I listen to like 20, 30 hours of podcasts at like 3X. But I think it's it's important to consume a lot, but you also have to be very selective with the material. So I'm removing stuff, I'm adding it all the time. Once you, there's just so much great information in the world that you're able to really find and learn from these people that are experts like Tyler. Uh, you're able to learn from them. I'm sure if someone wants to get coached by you, it's probably thousand dollars minimum per hour. But you listen to his podcast for an hour, you're like, okay, this is legit. Like I'm going to change my life because of what he says. Uh, and so just find the right material and try to consume as much as you can, especially if you're, if you're young, uh, try to consume as much as you can, because slowly over time, you'll start learning your own style. And then as you kind of develop as an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor, start creating and it's no, it's going to suck. One of the, this famous author uh, who wrote bird by bird, she talks about uh, a butterfly and a lot of times your first draft or your in your mind, it's like this beautiful butterfly. And then when you go to write it, it's like you're taking it and you're stomping it because it's ugly. It's horrible. That's how it is. That's how we start. Fortunately, I have this video of my son walking for his first time. And I have a ton of videos of him falling on his face. What would have happened if he like 5,450 time he fell? He's like, yeah, no, this walking thing really not for me. Every time he gets up, again and even now he like runs and like falls straight on his face but it's fine he's hard-headed like me he gets up and starts running again i love that and you know one thing that that really makes me think about is conditioning your mind for success i mean if somebody's listening this you know far into this episode today we don't really have to tell them this but it is a great reminder of conditioning your mind for success it is about surrounding yourself with other people other ideas other concepts other reference points to say you know what it is possible for me to go to that next level it is possible for me to overcome this challenge. It is possible for me to find a creative solution to the barrier that I'm facing. And also uh, one thing I wanted to mention as you're mentioning your consumption behavior and, and patterns, listening to podcasts at 3X, I had a, I met at one of our listeners at NMHC in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. And he said, you know what? It was so interesting to meet you because man, I've been listening to you for years at 2X and speaking to you in, in person, it was just like, just blew me away that you've talked so slow. <laughs> 
And I just thought it was hilarious. But anyway, just wanted to bring that up as an anecdote. I thought it was funny. But I want to wrap up the conversation by saying, what is the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Pranay? So trying to give back as much as I can. So the, the podcast was a way, uh, and I know you do this too, to uh, me plus many, right? So give out as much material. Um, I've been trying to post a lot on LinkedIn, just my thoughts. And, you know, a lot of times it's just screaming into the ether, but you never know. Uh, it's funny. Uh, sometimes people will uh, message me and be like, oh, great LinkedIn post today or great podcast. And I'll go and be like, zero likes, zero comments. I was like, hey, you jerk. If you found so much value, yeah, you should like have it, man. Like, done something. That's fine. Right. It, it, it is where we're inherently lazy or we're busy, but you never know the impact you are making on someone's life. If you strictly look at numbers, you know, if I looked at only numbers, I would stop doing everything I did, right? Because I'm nowhere near an overnight success. And even the podcast, it's finally starting to get a little traction, but it's it took almost a year to even see more double digit downloads for a while. Next goal is triple digit. But you know, like it's it's easy to forget, you know, we see people like Tyler that's killing it with thousands of downloads. And uh, we wonder how are we going to ever get there? But remember, like 50, 100 people in a room, that would be pretty impressive, right? And your podcast specifically are super intimate. You're working out, they're at home, they're doing the dishes. So even 10, 20, 30 is a, is a pretty good number. Yeah, man. And it is a reminder too that, you know, stay the course. If it's in alignment with your values, if you have a desire to share your message and connect with other people, if podcasting is the path that we're kind of talking about, then remain committed to that because it doesn't happen overnight. There are no overnight successes, you know, whether it's in podcasting, whether it's in, of course, in real estate. I mean, real estate is a get rich, slow scheme for sure. You've got to stay committed, but I love that share. And I just love that you continue to add value to other people. I want to acknowledge you for being willing to share your story today, for being willing to look back and say, you know what, what about my failures in my past? Can I leverage for my future? And can I share that with other people? I just think that your story is remarkable. What you're doing with your business and as a physician as well is amazing. I want to congratulate you and your beautiful family. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? I know your audience is pretty advanced, but if you have something that you've been wanting to start. So a lot of people comment on my uh, sound quality or my uh, my background. It's all pretty nice. But that's because I didn't start my podcast for a year and a half and would keep researching podcast mics and backgrounds and move things around. And I would be so much further, you know, along the way if I had just started, right? I could have done Apple headphones or whatever. So get started, right? Do a little bit of research, read a book or two, especially in real estate. Real estate is easy. Uh, you can get 80% of the way there by reading a book or two. Just go on Amazon. Don't worry. Don't ask what's the best book because that's another way of procrastination. Go on Amazon, buy the first top two that show up in real estate, read it, and then go out and buy something. The chance of you losing all your money is almost zero. Uh, I'm not saying don't like buy the first thing you see, but start pretending like you're going to buy it, right? See how long uh, it takes to get off a of Zillow or whatever. See what kind of rents you can get. And it's these skills that you're getting. And now you could do it virtually, right? It's almost like Ender Game where they were practicing virtually. But get started. And I wish every time I am in something, I just wish I started earlier. Right. So whatever you're doing, get started. Don't feel like you're too old. Don't feel like you don't have the skills. Don't feel like you're the wrong sex, the wrong age, the wrong anything. Just get started and listen to Tyler and reach out to some of his guests because they're awesome. And just get started. 
Absolutely. And, you know, it makes me think perfection, it can be an enemy. And so we've got to fight against that enemy. On the other side, it can also be a great ally if we have this standard of excellence in what we do. So I know several people in my life who have this standard of of excellence and in many regards, sometimes a bit of an enemy in terms of perfection and, and it kind of stalls a little bit of their action. And so I think that's a great call out. And when you recognize that, you know what, let me be grateful for this innate desire to do things at the highest standard. But let me also recognize that, you know what, if it's not perfect, that's okay as well. So thank you for giving us that permission to move forward, take action, and to learn from our mistakes. Because again, failure is not fatal, it's only feedback. And that's where the growth lies. And the growth lies in taking action. We cannot just be a success zombie that's only consuming, but we've got to put that into action. Man, Pranay, this has been so much fun. I just want to thank you again for being on the podcast. Tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast and where they can find you otherwise. Yeah. So my podcast is all about entrepreneurship, kind of follows my journey. And I interview a bunch of people who are experts at what they do. Uh, It's called From MD to Entrepreneur. It's found on Apple, Spotify, everything. The website is frommd.com. If you want to find more about the real estate company, it's called Ascent equitygroup.com. We do value-add multifamily um, in uh, low-tax to no-tax states. Beautiful. Pranay, until next time, my friend, thanks again for being on the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Tyler. Elevate Nation, Pranay Parikh, bringing massive value to today's conversation. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. I want to encourage you to identify your top one, two, or three distinctions or takeaways from this episode. There are many for me, but I can think of really to start, I mean, that diversification of identity, diversification of income, when you combine those two things, I mean, what we're talking about is a life filled with depth, filled with opportunity, filled with adventure, filled with joy, filled with learning and growth. And really the foundation of that concept can lead to so much more elevation in your life. So I want to encourage you to identify what were your takeaways? Was it something to do with leveraging fear or leveraging this inner voice or creating your own core belief system personally, professionally within your business, within your team, developing and designing and refining your strategy in real estate so that you can capture those opportunities. Man, I just, I'm wondering what is it that you really took away? I'd love to know, let me know what are your top one, two or three takeaways, but also I encourage you to have a conversation with a friend around what was it that you learned? What was it that you agreed with in this conversation? What was it that you disagreed with? What ideas came up to you that were not discussed in this conversation that you'd love to integrate within your own strategy, within your own mindset, your own identity, your own mind expansion, your own personal development, or the way that you're investing in yourself. Have that discussion with a friend and ask them for feedback. Hey, how can I implement this? I'm I'm not clear on what I can do with this right now. How can I? What would you suggest? Who can help me? Who can help me get to where I want to go as a result of an idea that I got from this discussion today? And by the way, repetition is the mother of all skill. I invite you to re-listen because when you listen twice, you learn twice as much. Ultimately, the most important part is to take massive action. So I want to encourage you to commit to taking massive action. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.